Well, today we have a very special speaker. Uh, her name is Patty Stoffer. You know her well. She's a member here. She uh, serves on our board as well. Uh, she's in charge of our nursing home ministry. Uh, she visits the nursing homes and a faithful sister for many, many years. Uh, Patty has been uh, employed at North Point Bible College and Zion Bible College before that in Barrington, Rhode Island, now for 31 years in the finance department. She's a faithful sister. She's a licensed minister of the Assemblies of God. And uh, we heard her message this morning. Can I, can I tell you? She's got a word to share. So I'm going to ask you to pay attention and get all you can out of this sermon today. You are going to be blessed. So give Patty a welcome. And then, well, we gave Patty a welcome, but right now there's going to be a, a video clip. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. Behold, you are to conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will call him Jesus. The Lord God will give him the throne of David. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done according to thy word. Your cousin Elizabeth has also conceived a son. It is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God.
is beautiful. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, I feel so full this morning, almost like pregnant this, with weeks of preparation and prayer. And Lord, help me to deliver your word in a way that will honor you and challenge us to change in order to bring hope to this world during this Christmas season and in the weeks ahead, in the year ahead, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Good morning, saints. While you are turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, excuse me, Okay, let's try that again. <laughs> While you're turning in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, I want to thank Pastor Rick for giving me this opportunity to share today. I consider it a privilege and an honor. Thank you. I truly love the Christmas season, and although it's been extremely different than any other year, Christmas is still a very special time. I enjoy the biblical story of Christmas and it's my tradition to meditate upon the first two chapters of Matthew and Luke's Gospels at this time of year. And I strongly encourage all of you to do the same, especially if you have children. One of the prophecies concerning the birth of Jesus Christ is found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, which reads, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Rather than reading this lengthy passage, I want to simply and quickly highlight the similarities and the obvious difference that we find in the encounters of Zechariah and Mary with the angel Gabriel as depicted in verses 11 through 38. In verses 11 and 28, we notice that the angel of Gabriel appeared to each of them on separate occasions as they were going about their daily business. In verses 12 and 29, we observe their immediate responses. Zechariah was startled and gripped with fear. Mary was greatly troubled. But in each of the instances, the angel called them by name and said, Do not be afraid. Gabriel told Zechariah that his prayer had been heard and that Mary had found favor with God. The angel informed each of them that they would have sons. He revealed what the names of their sons would be, and he gave them a brief description of what their sons would be like and what their mission would be. To Zechariah, he said, John would be a joy and delight, and many would rejoice because of his birth, for he would be great in the sight of the Lord. And to Mary, that Jesus would be great and would be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord would give him the throne of his father David, and he would reign over the house of Jacob. His kingdom would never end. Thus we note the similarities, but there's a difference I want to point out. In verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. In verse 34, Mary asked the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And another translation says, I have no husband. Zechariah's words revealed unbelief and doubt. However, Mary's words revealed faith. Each of them, however, gave the, angels re the angel reasons why what he said couldn't happen. But in reply, Gabriel rendered Zechariah speechless because he did not believe the words of the Lord, which would come to pass in their proper season. But he gave Mary not only a confirmation of her faith, but also an explanation of how the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her so the Holy One to be born would be called the Son of God. 
And we end this section with a verse which is familiar to all of us. For nothing is impossible with God. Repeat that with me. For nothing is impossible with God. I'm going to read verses 39 to 45. And that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed what the Lord has said would be accomplished. I have notes in my Bible dated December 13, 2009, when Pastor Rick preached about Joseph, the husband of Mary. Today, on this 13th day of December, 2020, I would like to speak about Mary, the mother of Jesus. I've entitled this message, Who Was Mary and How Can We Be Like Her? Who was this virgin who wondered what kind of greeting from the angel this might be? Who was this handmaiden of the Lord who offered herself in total surrender and obedience to the plan of God? Who was this relative of Elizabeth who believed what the Lord had said to her would be accomplished? Who was this humble servant whose soul magnified and glorified the Lord and whose spirit rejoiced in God her Savior? Who was this young mother who treasured up all these things the shepherds said and pondered them in her heart? Who was this wife of Joseph who marveled at what Simeon declared about their son when his eyes saw his salvation? Who was this chosen vessel of God whose child was destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel? Who was Mary? The Bible tells us very little and yet just enough about Mary in order that we can be truly blessed by the example that she gives us. Outside of Mary's song or hymn, referred to as the Magnificat in verses 46 to 55, the NIV only records about 51 words spoken by Mary. Let's quickly review some of the places where Mary is mentioned in the New Testament. Luke told us that Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee in Judea to Bethlehem to register with Mary, who was expecting a child, and while they were there, she gave birth to her firstborn, wrapped him in cloths, and placed him in a manger. Matthew reported of the wise men who followed the star, and on coming to the house, saw the child with Mary his mother, and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Matthew also told of Joseph and Mary's escape to Egypt as a result of Herod's decree to kill all the male children, two years old and under, and later of their transition back to Nazareth following Herod's death. The Bible references Mary's reprimand of Jesus in the temple during the Passover feast when he was only 12 years old and went missing for four days. It was on this occasion that Jesus asked, Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business or in my father's house? Verse 50 proves that Joseph and Mary didn't fully understand who Jesus was and what he was saying to them. Plus, it is here that Jesus reveals to Joseph that he is not his real father. The Bible gives an account of Mary's presence at the wedding of Canaan, where she notified that Jesus that the wine had run out and subsequently witnessed his first miracle. It is again evident that Mary did not clearly apprehend the reality of her son as being God in the flesh. If she had known, would she not have realized that Jesus was aware of the problem and could certainly take care of it? 
However, by Jesus' words to her, Woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. Jesus let Mary know that he was no longer under her authority. But he had to do the will of his heavenly Father in his time. In his book entitled, The Virgin Mary in Light of the Word of God, Dr. Labid McHale explained that by calling her woman, Jesus was not insulting or disrespecting Mary, but simply trying to help her understand his true nature and his relationship to her. He was her son according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, he was the son of God from the very beginning. In three of four Gospels, it is interesting that Scripture documents the time Mary and Jesus' siblings came to a place where he was ministering and wanted to speak to him. Yet, when Jesus learned that they were waiting outside the house, he ignored their request and asked instead, Who is my mother? And who are my brothers and sisters? Jesus was emphasizing the importance of his relationship to his heavenly father rather than to a human family and was including everyone who does God's will as part of his family. This includes us. Amen? Dr. George Wood, who's the former superintendent of the Assemblies of God, wrote in his devotional on the Gospel of Mark, quote, Jesus redefined family. No longer did his family consist of blood relatives. It was made up of those who were obedient to the will of God. Jesus came to create a family not based upon bloodline, but on faith in him. And having formed that family, he calls all of us to belong to it. To further stress this truth, Luke accounts of the time when a woman in the crowd called out to Jesus, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and who nursed you. But Jesus quickly retorted, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Mary was among the onlookers at the crucifixion, as was the Apostle John, where Jesus said to her, Behold your son. And to John he said, Behold your mother. After this, John took Mary into his home to care for her. Lastly, after Jesus ascended into heaven, we find Mary among the 120 believers in the upper room who was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues. Now that we've had a broad overview of Mary's presence in the New Testament, I want to focus on some very special qualities she possessed that all of us as believers can emulate. This is the purpose of this message today. Who was Mary? First, Mary was a virgin. Three times in verses 26 to 34 of Luke 1, the Bible uses the word virgin. Some people think that the word virgin simply implies a young girl, but there is no question about the meaning of the Greek word parthenos, as it denotes a young woman totally devoid of sexual experience. Mary was free from impurity and innocent of unlawful sexual relations. Dr. Luke, who authored this gospel, would have certainly used the correct medical term. Matthew 1.18 states, But before they, Mary and Joseph, came together in a sexual relationship, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.25 goes on to say, But he, Joseph, had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. Mary was probably between the ages of 14 and 16 and affirmed her own chastity, by answering the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Why is it important for us to believe in the virgin birth? Author Rick Renner gives five reasons. First, if Mary was impregnated by a human being, then she was an adulterer because she was forbidden by law to have sex before the consummation of her marriage. If Mary was impregnated by Joseph, it makes him an adulterer because he did not have a legal right to impregnate his wife before the consummation of their marriage. If Mary was not a virgin, 
then nothing in the Bible is reliable. If we can't believe in the virgin birth, then how will we believe in the resurrection of Jesus? If Mary was impregnated by a man, then Jesus is not God in the flesh, and he does not have the ability or power to save us. For 2,000 years, the early church proclaimed the Apostles' Creed, and there was no debate over this. Growing up as a Catholic, I recited this in Mass every single week, as I'm sure some of you might have. Part of the decree declares, or the creed, I believe in God, the Father, the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. According to Wilmington's Guide of the Bible, the supernatural element in the Incarnation was not the birth of Christ, but his conception. Cheryl Cope, who was one of my teachers at Zion North Point, said, when the divine comes and touches the ordinary, it becomes extraordinary. In his sermon three weeks ago, Bill Lario said, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. Jesus was born as all humans are born. He was not only completely God as though he had never been man, but also as completely man as though he had never been God. It is important, Wilmington says, to make this distinction. God used Mary's womb to supernaturally package the greatest gift ever given to mankind. Amen? And just as the virgin was, we need to be clean and pure vessels that God can use to bring light and hope to this dark and scary world, especially during this pandemic. The God who spoke to the Israelites to be holy as I am holy still calls us to holiness. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 7, the Apostle Paul wrote, It is God's will that you should avoid sexual immorality, for God did not cause us or call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Today, if you are carrying guilt or shame, the Bible promises that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Let us allow the prophetic words of Isaiah to speak to us. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Single ladies and gentlemen, young and old, I exhort you to learn how to control your bodies in a way that is holy and honorable. For Hebrews 13.4 says that marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed kept pure. With God, this is possible. Amen? Secondly, who was Mary? Verses 28 and 30 tell us Mary was highly favored by God. Strong's Concordance states that the word favored means to endue with special honor, make accepted, to endow, to convey by or as if by an inheritance. Just as Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of God, and as the nation of Israel was chosen by God, so Mary found favor with God, being blessed and called to be the mother of the Messiah. She did absolutely nothing to earn this position. It was bestowed on her as an inheritance or a gift of God. And Mary's blessing would not only bring her great joy, but much suffering, as was asserted by Simeon's prophecy, that a sword would pierce her own soul too. During Missions Month in November, Bill Wario spoke to us about calling and mission and powerfully chronicled the martyrdom of several disciples. 
the FIRE Bible says, when God calls someone to a specific mission, it will almost always involve blessing and suffering, joy and sadness, successes and disappointments. Commentator J. Dwight Pentecost wrote that the favor of God upon his chosen handmaiden was neither a recognition of her sinlessness in Mary nor a promise of reward for her own perfections, but rather an announcement that she was receiving special grace from God. It is evident that Mary knew she was not sinless and recognized the unique privilege that was being given to her of being the mother of the anointed one, the Messiah. For in her hymn of praise in verse 48, she exclaimed, The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. In my younger years, I always thought of myself as a religious person and worked so hard doing all kinds of what I considered were good deeds to try to earn favor with God. It took me years, even after studying at Zion North Point, to really come, understand, and accept what justification by faith really was. In studying the book of Romans on Wednesday nights, which we've been doing for months now, we learn that we have been justified or declared to be righteous and that our righteousness is found in Jesus Christ alone. We must realize that when it comes to salvation, we, like Mary, are highly favored by God not because we have in any way earned this position in Christ, but Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tell us that it is by grace we have been saved through faith, and this not of ourselves. It's a gift from God, a gift from God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I received Christ as my Savior at the age of 21, and I just celebrated my 44th spiritual birthday on Thanksgiving Day. It was a special day for me. But up, up until that time, I, as a Catholic, I would pray the words of the Hail Mary. However, Wilmingham's Guide to the Bible states, the angel did not say Mary was blessed above women. He said Mary was blessed among women. Mary needed salvation, just like all of us, according to Romans 3.23. In fact, in Luke 1.47, she is the first recorded person to call God her Savior. The Christmas song goes, Mary, did you know that the child that you deliver will soon deliver you? Dr. McHale wrote, quote, it is unfortunate that some religious organizations have misunderstood the salutation of the angel Gabriel, constituting Mary a fountain of grace to be dispensed to others by her. Some traditional churches not only believe in the assumption of Mary, but that she is also a mediator or intercessor on our behalf. However, scripture does not support this, and it is clear according to 1 Timothy 2.5, that there is only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And Hebrews, Hebrews 7.25 says, it is Jesus who lives to make intercession for us. Pentecost further stated, and I quote, the gospel attributes to Mary none of the special titles ascribed to her by later so-called Christianity. The worship of Mary is not warranted by a simple salutation of the angel, here recorded. The Ave Maria, which is a daily prayer of millions, has no basis in the Gospels. Much as we admire and honor the Virgin Mother, we may not pray to her or worship her in any way. Mariology is but one form of idolatry. The mother merits all honor, but it is Jesus Christ, her son, our worship. End of quote. I think in Christian circles, 
We rarely speak about Mary, perhaps we, because we don't want to elevate her. Nevertheless, I learned so much about the person who Mary was from these few verses and how we can follow her godly example. Thirdly, who was Mary? Mary was a humble and obedient servant. In verse eight of Luke chapter 1, Mary responded, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord. Pentecost said it nicely. In simple, beautiful faith and submission, Mary presented herself to the Lord as a slave to do with her according to his will whatever might be the di- disgrace, the slander, the ill repute, or even death to her. The Bible says that someone caught in adultery could be stoned. As part of her song in verses 48 and 52, Mary exclaimed, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and he has lifted up the humble. Humility implies a modest or low view of one's own importance. And the King James Version said that God took notice of the lowest state of his handmaiden. One commentator said, quote, Mary is not prominent in society, and the man to whom she is engaged is a humble carpenter. Divinic descent in that period was not necessarily joined with high social station or with wealth. On the contrary, I read, and I did a lot of reading, that Joseph may have actually been a stonecutter who worked in the cosmopolitan city of Sephoris, where Mary likely lived with her parents, Joachim and Anna. Sephoris, known for some of the best mosaics in all of Israel, was three and a half miles away from the little sleeping village of Nazareth in Galilee, which was known as a place of vice and was particularly despised by the Jews. And yet it is here that the angel appeared to a humble servant girl. And I want to briefly mention another humble servant. I really appreciated what was said about our dear brother Earl Sheldon Hunt at his memorial service about five weeks ago. His great humility was highlighted as several friends testified of his life and ministry. The Bible says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of us should look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. In ministering to those in prison for many years, Sheldon did just that. 1 Peter 5, 6 says to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. And 1 Peter 5, 5 tells us to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. And Colossians 3.15 lists humility as something that we are to put on, along with compassion, kindness, meekness, and patience. James 4.6 tells us that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And Proverbs 22.4 and 11.12 tells us that the reward for humility is riches, honor, life, and wisdom. Some of you know that I'm a little intimidated by social media. It's taken me a long time. But um, I thought it was kind of cute recently when I spoke into the phone and said, hey, Google, and asked a question. And at the end, she responded, by the way, if I misunderstood your request, you can tap on your request to correct it. And I was thinking, hmm, if Siri or whoever the voice is in Google can humbly admit when she might be mistaken, can't we? (laughs) Mary was not only humble, she was obedient. Remember her words to the angel? May it be to me as you have said. Mary demonstrated obedience, for in Luke 2.22, it describes when the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, she and Joseph took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. 
and they must have been poor based upon the offering they presented at the temple when Jesus was circumcised. According to Leviticus 12, 7, and 8, those who could not afford a lamb could offer two turtle doves or two young pigeons as the required sacrifice when dedicating their firstborn son. As Mary was obedient, we should be as well. In Bill Unger's message in July 2011, he answered the question, what does it mean to be a disciple? By stating it took unquestioned obedience. My notes from his sermon in my Bible that I write in all over the place and highlight, obedience is total commitment, not simply a response to an emotional experience. And in his new teaching this last Wednesday at noon, Bill said, when a person accepts Christ, he, ex- he accepts a responsibility to be obedient. Friends, obedient, obedience is a choice that we make. In order to be obedient, we must know what the Word of God tells us to do. And I'll speak of this shortly. To obey it, you have to know what it says. Amen? You have to read it. The Apostle John wrote about the importance of obedience in his gospel and his epistles. 1 John 2.3 says, We know that we have come to know him, Jesus, if we obey his commands. 1 John 5.3 This is love for God, to obey his commands. Jesus said himself in John 15, verse 12, My command is this, that you love one another as I have loved you. In 2 John 6, John tells us that love is walking in obedience to God's commands. 1 John 3.24, those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. I encourage you to read Deuteronomy chapter 28, which outlines for us the blessings of obedience. Finally, who was Mary? Mary was a woman of faith and the word. As mentioned earlier, Mary's question of the angel, how will this be, was a response of faith, of trust and belief in what the angel said would take place. Also, Elizabeth's declaration to Mary of blessed is she who has believed what the Lord said to her would be accomplished. And Mary's faith was demonstrated at the wedding of Canaan when she believed Jesus could perform a miracle. For many of us, our faith has been tested these past several months, but has also been demonstrated in the various circumstances of our lives as we have diligently prayed and believed God to help us through these trying times. In her song, Mary exemplified faith in the Lord, the Mighty One, God her Savior, when she proclaimed, His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble, He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. As Mary, we need to be people of faith and believe in all the promises of God. And one of the greatest promises in the Bible is that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. You can do this today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Isn't this what Christmas is really all about? God's gift to mankind in his only begotten son? In order to have faith like Mary, we need to be people of the word. 
the Bible tells us in Romans 10:17 that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Like I said before, if you're not reading the word, you're not going to know what it says and then you won't obey it. Mary was familiar with scripture. In my extensive and most enjoyable study of Mary over the past several weeks, I learned from commentary that she probably grew up in the word since her father may have been a librarian in charge of the scrolls in the synagogue in Sepphoris. Mary's parents had given their lives to the word of God and being taught and living in the word was probably the only thing Mary knew. It is again obvious in Mary's hymn, also referred as to uh, the canticle of Mary, the Magnificat, which I, mer- which I mentioned before, as these verses which show her faith are based upon the scripture found in Psalms, in Isaiah, and in 1 Samuel, and kind of is a little bit similar to Hannah's song in 1 Samuel. As Mary, we need to be people of the word, daily reading it, meditating upon it, studying it, memorizing it, rightly dividing it, and delighting in it. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible, talking about the word of God, the laws of the Lord, the statutes of the Lord. I'm sure you've heard, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Or thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Hebrews 4.12 tells us the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It pierces to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I have a vivid memory as a little girl of dusting books in one of our bookcases at home where we kept the Bible. And I remember the thickness of the Bible. And I asked my mother, Ma, I said, does anybody ever read this because it was so thick? And she told me, oh, yes, people read it over and over again. And I was like, as a little girl, I was like, really, this big, thick book? I was never a good reader. And even today, I have to read something over and over in order to understand it. That's why I have Google now. I could say it instead of looking up in the dictionary all the words. I have a dictionary in my drawer at work, dictionary at my feet. And, but now I could say, hey, Google, define this. And uh, I love the Word of God. I've been reading it now for over four decades. I started with the Living Bible. Then I started with, then I read King James. My sister gave me a King James Bible for Christmas. And now I enjoy the New International Virgin. 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 Yes. Virgin. Virgin. Okay. In all honesty, I could say a fun day for me is to sit in my lazy boy, which is now broken, to get another one, uh, with the Bible, dictionary in my lap, textbooks and commentaries all around me on the floor and meditate for hours in the word. I just love it. I know there are easier ways to do it now with the internet and with all these, the tools, but like was testified of Brother Sheldon, as a young woman and new believer in Christ, I was in church every time the doors were open. I couldn't get enough of the word, and today I take pleasure in sharing it. Romans chapter 12, too, exhorts us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, and we do this by reading the word. James 1.25 says, The man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, will be blessed in what he does. Do you want to be blessed? Read the word. Do you, do you need freedom? Meditate on the word. John 8.32 tells us that you should know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Do you need answers? 
Search the scriptures. In conclusion, who was Mary? Mary was a virgin, highly favored by God, humble and obedient servant, and a woman of faith in the word. And how could we be like her? How could we possess the qualities she had? By keeping ourselves pure. By knowing that we're highly favored. By humbly submitting and obediently surrendering ourselves to the will of God as his servants. By faith, by believing in his promises. And by delighting in his word. By studying to show ourselves approved unto God. A worker that doesn't need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I encourage you to take these qualities of Mary, take them as a gift, and unwrap them. Unwrap them in the days ahead, these qualities, and give them to a lost and hurting world. Amen. Merry Christmas. Thank you, Patty. Good job. Amen. Let's let Patty know we appreciate her. <clears throat> Patty, I think all your North Point contemporaries would be very proud of you for your studies and your presentation today. That was very good. That was a word from the Lord. Let's stand together, can we? just want to give everyone a chance to respond uh, before we close out in prayer. Every head bowed for just a moment. If you're at home, uh, let's just take a moment and let's just think about the message we just heard. I wonder if there's anyone here that, that can relate to Mary. I mean, what a great example she leaves us to follow. I mean, one of the most uh, important things I, I see about her is being humble, and yet in Acts chapter 1, waiting for the infilling of the Holy Spirit as well. Has anyone come to a place in your life where you feel like, I was like that, and now I'm not like that anymore. I started out good, but somewhere along the line, I got a little bit off track. It's time for me to get back to my roots of being humble before God. Anyone like that? Just let the Lord know if that's you. Just speak to the Lord at, at, regarding that issue. And, and there's other, other parts of that where the Lord has given us so many opportunities to live by faith in these days. You know, Someone asked, what, what is faith? You know, how, do you, how do you exercise faith? How does faith come? Many times faith comes by the trials that we're confronted with. If we never had a trial, we'd never be, have a reason to exercise faith. I wonder if some are at a place now where you, you feel like, I've ha I have many opportunities to express faith in God, and I, I need help in doing that because I've fallen short of the expectation that God has for me. So let me lead in a prayer. Uh, if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we'll include that in the prayer. Uh, if you'd like to renew your commitment, we'll do that as well. And we'll, we'll also include just God's blessing upon our Christmas season to be merry-like in all of our doings, in all of our life's experiences during this time of year. So, Father, Lord, we come before you today. Uh, whether here in the sanctuary or at home, uh, watching by live stream. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, we, we, we received a full course meal in that message today. Thank you, Lord, for the, the work that our sister Patty did, and thank you for the presentation, but thank you for the word of God. Father, we pray now that we would learn many, many things and apply those things that we learn into our lives right now. Lord, first of all, we just want to let you know, Lord, that we've come to this place in life where we recognize we need a Savior. We need you in our heart. And so, Lord, maybe for the first time or maybe for the 100th time, we just want to, again, uh, express our faith and trust in you invite you to come into our lives to establish your kingdom deep in our hearts, that we would be truly the, the people of God that you want us to be at this time. So, Lord, we confess that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and we receive Christ as our Savior today. 
Lord, we also want to pray, uh, as Mary demonstrated, a, a life of, uh, for a life of faith. Lord, you've given us many opportunities with the COVID, with uh, the work situation, with financial crunches for many of us, with various stresses that we're dealing with. You've given us opportunities to express and, and live by faith. Lord, help us to live by faith. Let us not live by what we see, but let us live by what we see in your word. Let us be people of faith that will trust you, even in the midst of adversity, as Mary did. When everyone found out she's pregnant, oh my goodness, but Lord, she was steadfast. And we see her at the very end in Acts chapter 1, waiting to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we pray that we also would be filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would have a power beyond ourselves to be the people of God that you really want us to be. So we thank you. We give you praise. And Lord, we pray that as we hear messages such as these, that they, these messages will enrich our lives, that we would be the best we could be, especially as the holiday season is upon us. Let us now take this gift. As Patty said, let us take this beautifully wrapped gift and apply it to our lives and be quick to give it to somebody else. Because somebody in our life needs that gift. So, Lord, may your anointing be upon us, and may we be the light that you want us to be. May we be the salt you want us to be to our families, our friends, our work associates, and so forth. We give you all thanks, and we give you all praise for these things today. Hallelujah. In Jesus' precious name, we pray these things. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap right here. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.